We live in a litigious society in which malpractice claims against physicians continue to increase at an alarming rate every year. What strategies can a physician use to protect their assets? You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Business of Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill. Joining me today is attorney and financial consultant David B. Mandel. He is with the law office of David B. Mandel, PC, and principal of the financial consulting firm Odell Jarvis and Mandel, LLC. He has addressed many of the nation's leading medical conferences, talking about his book, Wealth Protection, Build and Preserve Your Financial Fortress. David, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Larry. Well, we work our whole life trying to build up a nest egg, and there's people out there that want to uh, crack our eggs. So um, what is the first thing a doctor should be concerned about in terms of protecting his assets? I think the number one thing is really to just realize that there is a way, and it doesn't have to be risky or super expensive or overly complex, to build in uh, asset protection in their overall wealth plan or financial plan. Just that realization alone, that this is a discipline that can be part of their plan as much as investing, as much as retirement planning, as much as uh, insurances, that asset protection can be, and in our firm it is, a central part of the financial planning process and an ongoing part of how we help clients uh, build and protect their wealth. Well, how much of it is reality and how much is fear? How often is a doctor actually losing his house and everything he's worked for? Well, it's pretty rare. Uh, and in fact, I was talking to an attorney in New York that I, uh, my office is in. You know, he is special counsel to New York State Medical Society. And he was telling me that, you know, the malpractice risk, which is what a lot of physicians are concerned about, isn't really as prevalent as other business risks like employee litigation employees actually suing uh, their employers, or other issues like business issues between partners and financial issues of the practice, meaning mismanaging uh, uh, the practice funds. But overall, it is not so much to me the issue of how likely it is that a physician will lose everything, but rather, why wouldn't they spend some time and effort as part of their planning and add in protection and protective layers as part of their plan. You know, how likely is it, David, that a doctor is going to lose his home? It's actually statistically very unlikely. And I think I don't, at least if you, if you read our books, one of them, Wealth Protection MD, the others that are in the bookstores, we're not crying wolf here and trying to get physicians overly anxious about that risk. More likely or, or more accurately, what we tell physicians, like our, any of our business owner clients, are that there are risks out there, whether it be medical malpractice, uh, whether it be just business issues in terms of employees, etc. And knowing that there is uh, no certainty, knowing that there is risk, knowing that there are potential liabilities, why not add asset protection as part of the overall wealth planning process? A book that I'm working on right now that's going to be out in the bookstores in uh, next April is called Wealth Secrets of the Affluent, uh, 10 Keys to uh, Fortune Building. And one of them is the idea that preserving is as important as building. Never touch the principal. And, you know, that's part of it. And also protection of the principal, and, and not just of investment risk, but, you know, taxes, lawsuits, other types of claims, certainly in a business assets, you know, buy-sell agreements or things that a lot of physicians don't have, a lot of business owners don't have. 
but yet it can be if the circumstances happen, a partner dies or gets disabled, the difference between the business thriving after that or really being ground to a halt. Well, you you brought up something that I think most doctors don't think about in that uh, they're going to get sued by their employees. Can you um, tell us some scary stories about that? Well, I mean... I, in my practice, I've had a number of physicians who were, one doctor who was uh, in Long Island and had a small practice, I think he was the only physician if I remember correctly, and he was just downsizing, and one of the people he let go was one of the receptionists or worked in the office, what have you, and she was over 50 years old, and before you know, he knew it, a couple weeks later after the downsizing, you know, he was sued for age discrimination. And, you know, ended up paying out, I think it was, a couple hundred thousand dollar judgment that was, you know, not covered by his med mal insurance or anything like that. So, again, that's no different than any business owner. I mean, uh, any uh, really good uh, business attorney for any business that, hey, I'm going to have a bunch of employees here, you know, should consider that. Physicians really are, you know, are not in the business of creating employee manuals or hiring manuals or doing any of those HR functions. They may have somebody who's good doing that, but they may not. And there's a lot of ways for employees to come sue their employers these days, and physicians aren't immune to that. Let's move on to um, physicians' primary biggest asset, which is usually their home. What is the best way, I know each state is different, but what's the best way a doctor can kind of shield his home from ever being taken from him? Well, first, we're going to start with, like you said, the homestead exemption, the state rules. In, In any kind of asset protection planning, in our firm, Odell, Jarvis, and Mandel, we focus first on the state-exempt assets. And most states have some homestead exemption. Uh, the majority of them don't protect much. I mean, the average, the mean, is probably thirty dollars to $40,000 of equity. Some are unlimited, like Florida, Texas. Some are you know, zero, like New Jersey and New York is $10,000. So there's a huge range there. Does it make any sense for a doctor to put the house in his wife's name? or in, in this concept, uh, joint tenancy? Well, I think that's a common question and actually a common misconception we spend a lot of time in our books uh, addressing, which is, you know, can I put it all in my spouse's name? My spouse doesn't work. They don't have liability. And the issue there is that there's something in the law called substance over form. So, you know, if the wife, let's say, is person at home and the husband is the doctor or vice versa, it doesn't matter. But whoever the spouse that we see is non-vulnerable, is the one owning the title, you have to say, well, how did they pay for it? And how are they paying the mortgage? And, and who's paying the property taxes? And who's actually living in it? And typically, you know, all those answers to all those questions are the physician. They're the ones also living in it, treating it as a joint asset. They're the ones actually paying the mortgage. They're the ones actually paying the property taxes and the improvements and everything else. So it really, for all intents and purposes, is being treated as a joint asset, except for what's on the piece of paper. Well, that is effectively going to be treated under law as a joint asset, meaning half owned by each. Uh, in certain states, you have something called tenancy by the entirety, which might be an ownership form that a husband and wife can use that would protect it against claims against either, but not both. So if uh, there was a claim just against a uh, doctor, uh, say medical malpractice, they wouldn't be able to access the home in a state that respects tenancy by the entirety. And there are about eight or ten that do. If you go beyond that, let's say you, you don't have a tenancy by the entirety or it's not very strong protection and the homestead isn't good, we start to discuss with physicians the opportunity to use either a legal tool like a limited liability company or to consider not doing what is kind of conventional wisdom, paying off the home, meaning building up assets or equity in their 
net worth not in the homestead but somewhere else, and they can always use that equity, those investments or whatever it is, to pay off the home when they're ready to retire. But as long as the risk is there, we can't protect it well. Part of the concept is to kind of step back and say, let's build our net worth in the places of our kind of pie chart that we can protect well and not build up a tremendous amount of equity in the places we can't. If you've just joined us, you're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill, and I'm talking today with attorney and financial consultant David Mandel. We're talking about asset protection planning for doctors. Uh, David, you just mentioned something extremely interesting, uh, and I'd like to go further into that in that sometimes it makes sense to uh, have a high mortgage and not pay off your home. As I mentioned before, uh, Larry, uh, we have a book coming out next next year that's called Wealth Secrets of the Affluent. And, you know, we, we spent a lot of time with affluent clients and, and even the super affluent. And that's something that if you talk to someone who's in the real estate business... Right, they say Donald, use, use someone else's money. Yeah, from Donald Trump all the way down. What their goal is not is to buy a piece of property, pay it off over 30 years, and then when they're 30 years into their career, buy their second piece of property. Okay? Mm-hmm. They're going to use other people's money. They're going to use leverage. They understand that what they're making money on is the fair market value, not the equity. So what does that mean for a physician? Well, all that means here is I don't tell doctor clients to borrow out of their home and go to Vegas. I don't tell them to borrow out of their home and do things that are risky with it. But what we will say is if asset protection is important to you, and you're in a place where your home isn't protected, and we don't have very good means to shield it, then why would you pay down the mortgage and build up equity there instead of building it up somewhere else? Well, the only reason you would is if you thought that you couldn't do better mm-hmm. in an alternative investment than paying than the cost of the loan, meaning if you have a 5% mortgage, and you're, say, you can write some of that off, so it really cost you 4%. If you were anxious to pay down the 4% mortgage, what you'd be saying is, I don't think I can do better in any other investment with a reasonable amount of risk than 4%. And some clients may really have that risk tolerance. They may not feel that way. But most clients, if they're taking a long-term perspective and they can cash flow, their cash flow allows it, may say, given the asset protection of the home isn't good here, and I have a good, typically the lowest interest rate they're ever going to get is on their primary home, then maybe it doesn't make sense to pay that down, but to put that money to work somewhere else in a place that's better protected. And that's the kind of analysis we do with clients. So what would be some other places that are um, well protected that you can put your money? Well, I always will look at the state exemption. Now, for example, in the state of New York, I mentioned $10,000 homestead exemption. So you have these multi-million dollar houses and apartments all over New York, and only $10,000 protected. In Manhattan, that's less than a doorknob. Now, on the other hand, you have in the state of New York an unlimited plus five top exemption. You can never lose this money to a creditor for cash value in a life insurance policy. If I look at that with my asset protection hat on, it's very simple to say if I, had, if I was concerned about protecting $100,000 and my choice was put it in the home, which is basically a minus five an asset that has no protection above the homestead, or put that in a cash value life insurance policy, which is totally protected and can't be taken, well, it's pretty clear. 
Now, does that make sense as part of their financial plan? Does that make sense in terms of what they want to invest in, depending on their health, their age? And does it make sense in their general perspective? I don't know. But putting my specialist asset protection hat on, it's an absolute no-brainer. And certain states have those kinds of protections for uh, insurance or annuities or other investment classes. So that's the first place I would look. The other, the other thing that they can do is use a legal tool like a limited partnership or a limited liability company, which isn't as strong as an exempt asset, but it's still pretty strong. And they could have that own whatever investments they want. That an LLC or limited partnership could own another piece of real estate, could own mutual funds, could own stocks and bonds, could own artwork, etc. So, you know, rather than paying down a debt only to expose equity, it might make sense to put that in an LLC or an insurance policy or whatever the other asset classes. Well, David, I want to thank you because I have learned a great deal today, and now I'm going to go home and, and try and convince my wife of everything you've told me. Uh, we've been discussing asset protection planning for physicians today with David Mandel of the financial consulting firm Odell Jarvis and Mandel in New York City. I'm Dr. Larry Casco, and you've been listening to The Business of Medicine on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com, and thank you for listening.